This is Mackenzie Milton. This is Steve Levy from ESPN. And you're listening to One Night Stand. And you're listening to One Night Stand. One Night Stand. Hey, c'est condition ça qui t'est passé. Just One Night Stand. Avant toute bagaille t'est commencé. One Night Stand. Pensez que c'est ton This is One Night Stand. Presented by First Watch, the official breakfast and lunch sponsor of One Night Stand. What up, Night fans? It's SMU week. On today's show, we recap the 14-10 nail-biting homecoming victory versus Tulane, preview the big road game versus SMU, talk a little injuries, injury bug, getting its way around uh, campus, Gus, DG, J-Flash possibly returning, Bowser. Um, Also, the second college football playoff rankings are going to come out live during the show, so we're probably going to bitch about those, and also last week's, because they came out after we recorded. Do a little basketball preview, and as always, we've got Money Moose Picks, Moose Mailbag. Speaking of, I'm here with... Money Moo, UCF, came home to O-Town for the homecoming game versus Tulane. And on their second drive, Mikey Keene found Ryan O'Keefe, a.k.a. The Rock, for 15 yards for the first watch, first score. Congratulations to at City Till I Die for getting the closest with a guess of 20 yards. O'Keefe added another 10 catches to his resume, and Brandon Johnson was wide open on a 23-yard score as the defense held on to squeak out a victory in one of the lowest-scoring games in recent UCF history. UCF 14, Tulane 10. Third straight win for UCF. I think it was our first FBS win ever, scoring less than like 14 points. We scored 14. Or 14 or less. 14 or less. 14 or less. You know what I'm saying. The only other time was, I think, that we scored that little and won was was like McNeese State or something. It was like 12-0 back in like the 90s. But yeah, defense holds Tulane to just 10 points. That's uh, an average of eight points in the last three games. Seven Memphis, seven Temple, ten Tulane. Those teams are averaging... You know, Memphis averaging 32 points a game, Temple 18, Tulane 27. So good performance by the D. Offense, eh, not so much. We'll probably get into that. But, hey, a win's a win, and we're on a three-game win streak. Heading into Dallas as big road underdogs. Uh, Moo, what are your thoughts on the game? Well, I thought the defense played really lights out again for the third straight week. I don't know what's gotten into these guys, uh, or if T. Will's finally getting the message home. But... Very solid performance, again, from the defense. You had four sacks on the day, nine tackles for loss. It just seemed like they really couldn't do anything on offense. Uh, It definitely was a battle of field position back and forth. No takeaways, by the way, which I believe is the first time in... It's got to be since 2015. 2015. (laughs) Just like every bad stat goes back to 2015. So it's pretty surprising. Um, Tulane outgaining us by a few yards, also winning the turnover battle. 99% of the time when you outgain somebody and win the turnover battle, you win the game. You know, our offense struggled mightily. Uh, Tulane on defense played an outstanding game as well. Three sacks, 11 tackles for loss. You know, they really dared Mikey to throw the ball. They were not going to let us run the ball on him. Bowser just really couldn't get it going. Looked like he re-aggravated his prior injury after seeing him kind of hobble off the field, never returned to the game. And it was more of the Johnny Richardson show from there on out. He hurt uh, hurt his ankle from what I saw, actually. So I think that's a new injury and he did not practice, at least as of Monday, at Monday's press conference. So his status is up in the air. Okay. Well, that's not good. No, not good. Uh, Ankle, not we were bad. Promised, we were promised the return of Jay Flash. Did see him on the sideline, fully suited, but I don't believe he ever got into the game. No, he, he didn't. Um, it, lo- it sounds like he's going to come back this week. He's been kind of tweeting some cryptic stuff, so... I would hope so, or else he's really just messing with us. But yeah, he didn't he didn't take any snaps. We could really use him on offense, uh, obviously, because 
I mean, we really couldn't move the ball versus Tulane. Hey, Tulane's, you know, hung with some good teams. So maybe we're just the next casualty of a close victory versus Tulane. Who knows? Uh, a win's a win. You know, the defense is playing great. I, you know, it's kind of like a bend but don't break. But they're not they're not giving up points, and that that's what's important. And the defense won us that game. I mean, plain and simple. Very poor clock management at the end there for Tulane. Um, they had the ball with about a minute and a half left to try and go down and score a touchdown. Took two plays to really just burn about 50 seconds off of the clock. Really terrible mismanagement of the clock. But anyway, I kind of had, you know, I had to do the countdown, didn't realize that like, hey, they have no timeouts and they had a completed pass for not a first down and nobody <laughs> was there. <laughs> yeah. Nobody was really like, you know, urgently yeah. uh, trying to move the ball or anything. And then the clock went to zero. I'm like, all right, well, that reminds me of we Mem- win. Memphis on the road in 2018, that comeback victory in the rain where they were like driving the ball at the end, but then the clock just like ran out. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, hey, you know I what? Remember that. I'll take it. Wins a win, dude. We're <laughs> six and three. We're sec tied for second, or I guess in the conference, right behind fellow um, third. Well, third, but behind fellow. Uh, what do you call it? I guess American like expatriates. What's it called when you leave America? Expat. Like yeah, we're expats with uh, <laughs> yeah. Houston and uh, Cincinnati, but. Yeah, a win's a win. I don't really know what else. Uh, the Gus thing was crazy. Um, broke his leg, it just came out, and also injured his knee and still coached through the game. Great performance by him. Well, besides maybe play calling, I, I saw you had some gripes about that on Twitter. Want to get into that? Yeah, so I wasn't really sure what I was going to see the week after that Temple game. And... um yeah, I just he continues to surprise me, I'll say that. You know, when you go from one week to constantly running the same play to the next week, you I mean, no jet sweeps at all. So that's cool. I asked for less, not none. Um well, and then geez, the use Mo. of the use of Joey Gatewood continued to be puzzling at the very least. Um, that I can agree with. He got in the game for one play, uh, which was the least amount of all the all the games all year, and decided to throw it, which, yeah. again, was... Not his strength. Not his strength at all. Very surprising. Caught him off uh, guard, maybe. Was not completed. So I'm not really sure what his role is or why he's still coming into the game, or why he's not coming into the game more. Um, they did stop that stupid thing where they kept Bowser at the wide receiver, like starting him at the wide receiver. Motioning. Motioning back to the backfield. You so. think they're just doing that for no reason? Like, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. That well, why, do, why did they only do it the one game? I don't know. It's not like they it's changed part of the game anything plan. in the defense. We don't know the game plan without knowing like what they're practicing and what the mentality is and like what what weaknesses of the defense that they're giving us that we're trying to attack. I can't judge like play calling and stuff like that. It's like, oh, you didn't throw the ball downfield more. Maybe that's what they were guarding, and we had to think and dunk. I, I don't know. So, all right, we won the game. We won the game. We won the game. Although he did bring back that same play where. It's almost the same play as the last week where Alec Holler was wide open, like nobody within 10 yards of him, and found Brandon Johnson for a 23-yard touchdown on almost exactly the same play. So the game winner. he must see something in the defense that, like, if, uh, you know, yeah, if, hey, this – if they, if you see this, like, and we're in this formation, you you got to know, like, oh, boom, it's already a touchdown yeah. before they even and snap it. You got to think too that, like, we probably run plays to set up other plays to give them a look to have them, you know, lean into one side that are kind of like throwaway plays to set up other stuff. Like, I, it, it's it's 
it's different than just Josh Heupel, where like there was no rhyme or reason. He was just running like the same five plays over and over, and was taking what the defense gave him. I don't know. I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. We'll never know. We can. We're gonna have this argument every single week till the end of time. So I feel like his favorite play that didn't work this week was the wide receiver bubble screen. That okay, it was a little more closer to the middle of the field, whereas Heupel would throw a bubble screen where like the wide receiver was basically on the sideline. Yeah, but at least he had like a blocker or two. These like Keen was throwing to Ryan O'Keefe like six yards behind the line of scrimmage and there was already like three defenders around him made no sense set like, up, set up there the has shot. to be some there has to be some kind of like check down where okay hey if I'm if I sn- hike the ball and I go to throw it to that guy and there's already three receivers or three defenders around it maybe I don't maybe throw pump, it pump fake and like run or something throw it deep. anything yeah but it's like Every time we did that, and we did it at least once per drive, I think maybe it went for positive yardage once, but Tulane having 11 tackles for loss, like, yeah, it wasn't the, all Bowser the stats, running the ball. Stats were not good. We averaged 1.5 yards a carry. Bah. And Bowser had a 20-yard run. Now, some of those are sacks, but still, the, the box score's not pretty. But it also didn't seem like Bowser was really the same back as he has been. Like he had a couple good runs, but other than that, like it just seemed like they were selling out to stop, to stop him and to stop the run. Yeah. So like, where was the play action? The one good thing is that we won. Keen never really stopped throwing the ball, but he didn't lose confidence in Keen. I would say that. Mm hmm. And he had a great third, completion percentage, 76%. Third, Brandon Johnson didn't disappear after the first drive. Yeah. How many <laughs> times has Brandon Johnson like caught a touchdown the first? You know, he has like nine touchdowns on the year, and three of them were on the first drive, mm-hmm. and then nothing after that. Yeah, he did it backwards. He appeared at the end of this game, which was kind of better. <laughs> Same thing, too. Like, I don't understand about – some of the adjustments, like I feel like in the last three games or so, the first drive, and I know this from like past coaches too, like Heupel and Frost used to say, like, like the first ten or twenty plays are all scripted. Well, every team does. Those that. are all those are all great. Like we've scored on our first or second drive, I think three or four games in a row. You know, a nice solid touchdown. But then after that, like we go yeah. stale. Well, what happens is, you know, the defenses adjust, and then we have to adjust back. It's like a giant chess match, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have answers to any of this stuff. They're, they're good observations, though. I don't know what to say. Yeah, but against the worst defense in the conference, and one of the worst in the in the nation. And yeah. you dropped four, 14 big ones at Could, home. It was almost albeit. almost our second loss to a one loss or a one win team. Well, they had one win. It would have been two, but I don't know. You know, a win's a win. What 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 can we say? I don't know. Uh we got SMU coming up. I saw we opened as nine point underdogs. We've got I don't think DG's gonna come back. It'll be exactly eight weeks on Friday since the Louisville game. And I mean, I don't know. I don't if he if he plays, it'd be a huge surprise. I mean, I feel like that would probably leak out of practices if he was cleared for contact and you know scrimmaging and stuff. But who knows? Uh, J Flash probably back. Gus gonna be on crutches for six weeks uh, with the broken leg. Might be the guttiest performance through an injury since I don't know. JJ Wharton caught the touchdown on the t- torn ACL, or maybe KZ playing on the separated shoulder. 2017 conference championship game which was first reported on one night stand by the way uh (laughs) anyway those are some gutty performance that i want to bring up um what are your thoughts heading into smu smu's been on a skid two two game losing streak they lost number 17 ap uh number 17 houston a couple weeks ago lost to memphis by three last week and they only beat navy by seven Nine points on the road? Any thoughts about this, Moo? Yeah, it's it's tempting um, mm-hmm. to take UCF 
as an underdog by more than a touchdown against somebody other than Cincinnati. However, I can't get the blessing this week. I have them at plus 10, by the way. This, on the look-ahead line, I believe was closer to like 14, 15. So the difference between that and losing DG plus us yeah, not really performing to our preseason standards, uh, I really don't see the value in this. Small value on SMU. However, I would never take that. Um, SMU quarterback Tanner Mordecai really lightened it up. 34 touchdowns, nine picks. It's one, honestly one of the toughest QBs that UCF has faced on the year. Crap. Um, even with Boise State quarterback Hank Bachmeyer, Louisville's quarterback, uh, you're talking about Ritter, fraud, but still one of the <laughs> best that we've played. He's not a huge run threat, which is That's usually good. concerning, but he's somewhat mobile. It's more of like a he's evasive. I would say he's like a Ryan Tannehill kind of guy. Like not going to okay. beat you with his feet, but I can see like a third and fifteen, nice coverage, and then you know he scrambles for a little crappy like fourteen and three quarters yards run, and then gets tackled over the first down. First ranking, <laughs> first first rankings are up. By the way, UTSA nine and zero squeaks in at number twenty three. Uh, don't see Houston in the top or the bottom ten of the top twenty five, which is absurd. That's ridiculous. Anyway, uh, rankings are still falling out, falling down. Um, we are actually only a seven point underdog now at SMU. Plus 255 on the money line is what I'm seeing. I mean, sure. If you want to take it, be my guest. But I'm not going to put my 7-0 record up for it. I, I think it's going to be a close game. I could see it coming down to a field goal. Yep. By the way, field goals in this last game. Obarski. What the hell was that? Uh, you know, I actually didn't see that. I was watching on my phone at the bachelor party and I didn't see, I watched a lot of it. A 42 yard field goal hits like a worm burner golf (laughs) shot. No air whatsoever. Landed in the end zone. (laughs) Just, oh, come on. Terrible. It's like, it was, it couldn't be a career long 42 yard. And like, I don't know. He like didn't back up enough. (laughs) It was like he was taking an extra point and just like lackadaisically kicked it. And it didn't even make it to the freaking goalpost. It's 42, too. It's not like it was that long, even though it's yeah. a career long. Did you see Matty Wright miss three in a row? Like, he missed it and there was a penalty. And then, so we got to kick it again. And then he missed it again. There was another penalty. And then he missed it a third time. But he still scored all the points for the Jaguars and their 9-6 win over Buffalo. Biggest nice. upset of the year. Yeah, a pretty wild sequence of events there. He also had another 50-yarder, though, which is pretty awesome. So three misses, three makes. Only one miss counts, though, because of the penalties. So box score-wise, not that bad. Um, All right, top 10 up on the rankings. Probably not going to be surprised by anything. But while we're talking about other schools, uh, you know, Cincinnati – they kind of starting to look like frauds, you know. Uh, they they beat Tulsa twenty eight twenty. The Tulsa scored late. the The game went, wasn't actually that close, but they were only up fourteen twelve at halftime. They were up versus Tulane by the same score at halftime, and they were only up at Navy thirteen to ten. So I don't know if they're playing down to their competition. Obviously, they played up when they beat Notre Dame on the road and us at home, you know. Two very quality teams, but I don't know. I don't know about Cincy. They'll probably drop here in the rank. Although no one's really looked good besides Georgia at all. I mean, Alabama struggled I... versus LSU. They had one rushing yard. One rushing yard. Like, what? Dude, they got so lucky. So <laughs> lucky this week against Tulsa. I mean, Ritter had probably one of the worst fumbles I've ever seen in college football history. Tulsa, first and goal on the five, has four chances to knock it in. They don't make it. They're stopped on the one-inch line. So then since he gets the ball on the one-inch line, 
Ritter tries to do a QB sneak, fumbles the snap. Tulsa guy picks it up on the one, so they get another shot. Tulsa, first and goal on the one-inch line. Three plays later, down to fourth and goal. This is now their eighth try (laughs) from the one-yard line. I still, to this day, think that he he got in. They reviewed it. They say fumble, but he reached the ball over the end zone. It clearly broke the plane. Then he fumbled. Ruling on the field was a fumble. They let the play stand. Stand, yeah. And it was a fumble. So that it was one of the worst fu- uh, fumbles I've ever seen. But it's also one of the craziest like goal line stands. Eight tries from the one yard line. Still couldn't get it in. Ouch. Cincinnati plays USF this week. USF's been putting up some points, man. I'm kind of worried about that game. Not gonna lie. They also they had two kickoff returns for touchdowns last week, which is pretty wild. Yeah, and their whole offense runs through Brian Batee. This is the same little dude that torched us last year um, in the game in Tampa. He, he's he's just a li- he reminds me of like a poor man's killings because <laughs> <laughs> it will always be poor there. Well, they got a and, they uh, got a mobile quarterback that actually runs the ball too, Timmy McLean. So yeah, Timmy McLean, terrible accuracy, by the way. Good interception, uh, city. As we see, Cincinnati now is still not in the top four. I honestly think they're going to move backwards. No, they're up to uh, five. Up to five. Cincinnati up to five. So who did they jump? Ohio State. No, Ohio State's no, four. No, Michigan State. Michigan oh, because they State. lost. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I know Michigan so, State lost, and so, so Michigan Cincinnati State six, Michigan seven, probably. Eh, the Cincy though, if you're if you got to stop Tulsa eight times on the one yard line just to at home. The game was never nah, that man. close though. They were up by two scores almost the whole second half and then Tulsa scored a late one, two point conversion to make a one score. Yeah, game. but it was within it was within a score for the whole first half. Yeah, I I was saying that before. So was Tulane, so was Navy. But, you know, since he also dominant road win versus Notre Dame and you know, they beat the brakes off a six and three UCF team, so they gotta be somewhat legit. So now Cincinnati is going to have to root for you know, Michigan State to beat Ohio State now. Oh, would dude. you put a one-loss Michigan State well, team in, or would you put Cincinnati well, in? Hold on. Michigan State's ranked seventh behind Michigan, who they beat. I hate this. I hate this. The head-to-head doesn't matter. How does the head-to-head not matter? Yeah, especially God. with Michigan. This this is classic yeah, overthinking. <laughs> That makes no sense. But the, the way they look at it is like, oh, Michigan State's loss is worse. Michigan has a quality loss to a top 10 team. But it's like, okay, at the same time, one of these teams beat the other. Does that not count? Oregon will probably lose again. And then Georgia can beat Bama. I think Cincinnati makes it. But, I mean, let's be real. This is just Georgia. Like, they should just just crown Georgia and then have a, like a four-team playoff for second place. Because that's probably what it's going to be. I don't know. You never know. Anyway, that's us <laughs> uh, bitching about the rankings. Um, you want to do picks now? Yeah, we'll go on to the picks. All right. Since we're talking about other college football games, it's time for our favorite segment. Money Moves! Picks of the Week. All right, two and two on my picks last week. We had a nice upset winner with UNC and NC State. A couple of North Carolina winners where the losers were, of course, Michigan State, which I tried to talk myself out of a hundred times, but <laughs> didn't want to. And Auburn, which brings me to nine, ten, and one on the year. A little bit of betting news. We now have uh, football. Any kind of sports betting is completely legal in Florida, and we should get a sponsorship. But anyway, I wanted to tell you guys about the new Hard Rock Sportsbook app. Very easy to use. What's this? Um, no free ads. The, <laughs> I'm just saying it's a nice it's a nice app. Yeah, it is nice. So you don't have to use uh, hooks right up to the Venmo. Sketchy. Hooks up to the Venmo, which is nice. No sketchy Bovada. No sketchy so, Bovada, um, or you know. 
bookmaker or some sketchy yeah. dude. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely need to reach out to them for uh for a sponsorship. Anyways, we'll bring on the picks for this week. I already kind of talked about the SMU game for this week. Not really looking at the total either, but UCF plus ten. I mean, if you want to sprinkle some on the money it's line, seven, I now. think or seven i think we win the game by a field goal i would hate to bet on ucf to just cover honestly that's only happened like once maybe twice that we've lost and covered in the last five six years just take the money um just take money seven and oh they're spiraling out of control they suck we are on a three-game win streak Defense finally figured it out. Yeah. J-Flash possibly coming back. That's huge. J-Flash is worth at least two touchdowns, in my opinion, which doesn't yeah. mean anything. <laughs> anyway, all right, uh, what do you got this week? What, what's your record now overall? You're it's still inching, like, creeping on the 500. You're getting closer by going 500 every week. I did already say my record, which confirms that you don't pay attention to what I say. Well, they got the rankings um, on TV, and I'm trying to, you know – I'm nine, ten, and one on the year. Dude, if you just keep going five hundred, so you'll there. pretty much be five hundred. So Forty nine, you know, fifty, and one. At first, I said quality over quantity, but now I'm like, oh, I gotta de- I need quantity <laughs> to try to try and get my record up. It's chaser. So, All right. What anyway, are we, what do we? I got? like I like I like my picks this week. We got three. This week. All right, so you'll have to either improve or not. Like, you can't go – well, you could if there's a push, but chances of that are pretty slim. <laughs> yeah, especially since all of the picks I have are all half-point <laughs> – are all the half-pointers. All right, so we're definitely okay. moving up or down. All right, first pick, we're going to go with Auburn. Again, minus five-and-a-half versus Mississippi State. Look, we either get good Bo Nicks – or bad bow nicks. And last week we got a dose of bad bow nicks. So we usually follow it up with a shot of good bow nicks. So we're going to take the Tigers minus five and a half. Mississippi State, way overrated. They got crushed last week after their, you know, not being ranked in the AP poll, then magically being like 17th in the college football playoff. Yep. Bye bye, Mississippi State. Auburn minus five and a half. All right, Bo Nix, come back. I miss crazy Bo Nix. Those couple games. He's are... back. He's back this so. week. All right, next pick. We're going to go with Miami, who I will just preempt this as that I'm 0 for like 7 when picking Miami, but I feel pretty good about this one. Miami minus 2.5 at Florida State. Look, Florida State has packed it in, folks. They're done for the year. Miami, sniffing bowl eligibility. We saw this last week. I love Mackenzie Milton, but he just isn't the same quarterback after the injury. And a, not as much. He had a sick touchdown last week, though. Not as much as of a supporting cast as they had in Orlando. Miami quarterback Tyler Van Dyke has thrown for over 300 yards and three touchdowns in each of his last three games two of which were against ranked opponents, NC State, and on the road at Pitt. So he shows that he can win on the road. Maybe De'Ara King was actually the problem in Miami. Did I say that? I did. Hurricanes, I think, win big over Florida State. Take Miami, minus two and a half. Yeah, I don't know. Don't bet against Mackenzie Milton. Rivalry game. Mackenzie Mountain undefeated in UCF rivalry games, I think. I mean, I wish him the best. It's just not. It's just not the same. That one. That surprisingly, dude, Miami awesome. looks good. Miami looks good all of a sudden. Last few weeks, Miami's back. Right. I'm telling you, this new this new kid, Tyler Van Dyke. They're kind of scary. I mean, NC State, Pitt, those are good teams. Ranked no, teams. No one's good in the ACC. But yeah, Pitt's been all right. All right, what what's your third pick? Third pick, we're going to go with the Oklahoma Sooners, minus five and a half at Baylor. Look, Oklahoma knows that it needs style points now. Yep, they were eighth eighth again, I think. We just saw them eighth again. Michigan State staying above them, even with a loss, to an unranked Purdue team. And you got Oklahoma still undefeated. 
they're thinking, well, what else can we do? Maybe put a few more points on the board. Does Purdue always just knock people out of the playoff, by the way? Purdue at Ohio State this weekend, Ooh, by the way. Juicy. 20 and a half is the line. A little money line Purdue. Sprinkle. Dude, that would be freaking crazy. Like an unranked team taking down three. Because they took down number two, Iowa. Iowa. Yeah. And number three, the giant killers. State. The giant Dude, the killers. Tulsa of the Big Ten. <laughs> Purdue, that's awesome. All right. So anyway, back to Oklahoma at Baylor. Baylor hadn't really beat anybody. They beat Texas, Iowa State, BYU. You know, whoop de doo. Oklahoma margin of victory on the road this year has been seven, six, and twelve. So a bit concerning there. I did have it at minus five and a half, so that fits the narrative of those three. But I feel like they're disrespected by the committee, and we saw them trounce Texas Tech, I believe, this past week. And, you know, they know they need style points, so yep. I feel like they're going to go for margin of victory. They have Oklahoma. to. They have to at this point. They're stuck at freaking eight, and they're undefeated. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Nothing to lose. You got to go out there and – Beat them big. Let's take Oklahoma minus five and a half. All right. We'll recap the picks. Auburn minus five and a half versus Mississippi State. Miami minus two and a half at Florida State. And Oklahoma minus five and a half at Baylor. Let's get get that that money. Last up, we've got Moose Mailbag, where we answer all your questions. Thank you guys for listening, by the way. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Tell a friend. All right, first question's from MD Knight 2016. Who's your preseason player of the year for UCF men's basketball? Oh, that's a good one. All right, so did a little bit of a preview for UCF men's basketball. There's surprisingly, which we've been lacking, many years since the tournament team is depth. We have a ton of people returning. I don't think we really lost anyone last year Um, from Isaiah Adams to, you know, CJ Walker. We have a really good transfer from UNLV who I'm not going to try and pronounce his name. (laughs) It's like Cheek and Buck. Dong. Diong. Diong. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. He uh, he wasn't like a bench player either. He was a starter for UNLV. He averaged 9 and 7, led, led the team in blocks. So between him and CJ Walker, like at kind of the power forward center kind of position, I'm really excited to see. And then, you know, for the other side of the ball, it's kind of like Darius Perry, you know, who is the scoring machine of last year. I'm really excited to see how he's grown as well. So, I don't know. I I like Isaiah Adams just because, I don't know, I like his hair. And it feels like, (laughs) dude, he's like, go grow super fro. So, we'll see, like, if he's back. But, um, you know, watching cj walker like a five-star dude out of oregon there's not too many five-star basketball players no nope. he le- led they, the led the conference in blocks per game last year too yeah to come out so what was the question my preseason, pre-season player, player of the year. year i don't know i guess darius perry because he's a scoring machine that's what i was gonna pick um all right i gotta go with sean mobley got a great name spells it good no, uh, <laughs> CJ Walker. I, I like Mobley, little role player. Um, that's how I'd like to think I would play if I ever played basketball. Come in, shoot a little bit, be white. Uh, no, CJ Walker. Like I said, you know, led the conference in blocks. He's just gonna keep getting better as he meshes with the team. But I mean, we're we're deep. We're we're definitely deep, and uh, definitely excited about this season. Hopefully. Injury bug stays on the football side of the athletics facility. And, yeah, I think it's going to be good. We, we got to step it up, you know, heading into the, the Big 12 here in just two seasons, you know, recruiting-wise and with our product on the court. And uh, I think the timing's good with, with the amount of talent we have on our roster. 
So CJ Walker's my preseason player of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And while we're on the topic, I mean, we might as well talk about the team as a whole. Uh, I've decided to do this this, this year because people are asking. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of a betting preview for the month. And I'll do it uh, just because it takes too long to calculate all the spreads for like the whole season like I do for football. Football, because there's way too many more games yeah. uh, for basketball. So I'll, so I'll do it at the beginning of the month. If it really changes a whole lot, you know, I can – I can update as as needed, but just wanted to give you a few because we have some big games coming up, some big out of conference games coming up at the beginning of the year. We we'll play at Miami, which is at two o'clock on Saturday, by the way. So gonna have to buy two TVs if you don't have already. Gotta have football games on two TV noon. minimum if you're a sports fan. With yeah. that ESPN Plus, man, you can get soccer, volleyball, basketball, football. So we also play Oklahoma at home. Um, Josh, if you want to see some, <laughs> if you want to see some of my projected lines, make sure to follow me at Money UCF on Twitter. We are actually favored in every one of those games that, uh, for this month, except Oklahoma. I have them at a pick'em, so be sure to check. Now, college basketball—they don't really give out the lines. Um, for you to be able to bet on them until like a day or two before the game. Sometimes if it's a like a D2 opponent or something or a lower tier opponent, it might be the same day. So be on the lookout. Yeah. Happy betting. Good luck. Yeah, we, so got, they we, also, we got some good non-conference games. I'm looking at this. Uh, Auburn, Florida State, Gus Malzahn revenge, Mackenzie Milton. They're cool, cool opponents that uh, we have scheduled here. Miami. Yeah, so obviously. this year – this year, too, just want to talk about a little bracketology. Currently, Joe Lenardi does not have us in the tournament, but my power ranks are showing. We haven't even played a game. What? We, it's just a preseason. They have us at 57, which is just inside that tournament field. Um, so it'll be fun to watch. We're, we're definitely going to be kind of on that bubble of NIT, like maybe making the tournament this year. Depends on how everything goes. The AAC is a pretty strong conference this year. They have Houston. Houston and Memphis are the top two teams, uh, at least in the preseason, both ranked inside the top 15 nationally. Uh, yeah. And of course, we'll have to play both of them twice, so could be a good chance to have a nice resume-building win against either of those two teams. And um, I don't know. It's a long season. We'll see. Yeah. So we gotta I'm get excited out, about it. Got to get out there and play. I'm not really concerned with preseason bracketology when we haven't played a game. So, Well, just in case you wanted to know. Did we play? <laughs> All right. Now, I know the answer to this, but like it took me a second to remember if we played basketball last year or if that was the COVID year. Uh I guess it didn't help that we weren't that good, but it's also the whole 2020 thing was just a blur. We did play last year. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's what. It, yeah. I don't even remember who won the whole thing. Gonzaga. Uh, Gonzaga no, lost. lost. Uh, Baylor won. Oh. Oh. Future okay, conference yeah. rival. All right. This next question is from UCF Zach. What is your most memorable play from the season so far, or? Well, I guess also, who would you nominate as our MVP nine games in? Most memorable play. I have one. The yeah, you scorched into my retina. You you go while I uh, while I, I ponder on this. I'm gonna go with the Louisville pick six. He asked for it. I gave it. That was. I will never forget that. The I'm the assuming it was supposed to be in like a positive, memorable way, Moo. Well. I, I just that's what I that's what I have. It's like the roller coaster of emotions from you know Tremont Morris Brash intercepting the Louisville quarterback guy, and then like the very next play, like I will I will be talking about that play thirty forty years from now. It's it has to be the most memorable. I just call it like it is. I'm trying and to then, the, the most. Hold on, let me do mine. I would say, and I'm going back to like emotion at the time. What play got me the most hyped? 
it was probably that actually it, that interception when we intercepted it against Louisville. That was like the best feeling in the world. Right. So we both agree that it was that like sequence of events. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. And so who's your <laughs> who's your MVP? Oh, we doing offense and defense or I, just total? I'm just gonna leave it at one. All right. Leave it at one. I'm gonna have to go with Ryan O'Keefe. He's yeah. been the biggest playmaker. He maybe wasn't the the J Flash of the preseason, but he's been able to stay healthy and he's still making plays for us. So yeah, that's a adding good. Adding ten, you know, point. adding eleven catches, uh, even though half of them were six yards behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> he still that's like really not his fault. Ninety-four yards. I mean, the man just catching the ball. I'm gonna go with, and this is a little bit of recency bias here, but I think Bryson Armstrong, man, he's been all over the place on defense. He's a transfer, kind of stepped up in this role. There's a lot of guys we could pick out, so I hate to like single anyone out. I, I could, you could also say Brandon Johnson too. I mean, nine touchdowns is, you know, obviously a huge deal. You know, we're not six and three without Brandon Johnson more than likely. Uh, so those are the two guys I, I would kind of pick. But still got a lot of football left to play. Last questions from George Garcia. I think DG can stand out the remaining season and not lose the year of eligibility. Would you rather? He play for SMU in our bowl game or not play a snap and extend his years of eligibility for a chance at a better draft spot in the NFL. I mean, if he doesn't come back, is he going to get like a re- a medical card for this year? I, I don't well, really no, know. Well, no, he only played three games. You can redshirt. DJ oh, never yeah. redshirted. Shit, so, he never redshirted. You're so right. So he could redshirt this year, and then he has a free COVID year. Here's the thing. He's going to come back if he can because he still has a COVID year and he still has a redshirt like injury year. So I don't see any reason in him sitting out. It's not like he's up on his eligibility and he wouldn't be able to play at all anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like if the choice whoa, 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 was – Hold on. You said he had a redshirt year and an injury year. Well, yeah. You no, can, he doesn't. You can play seven years technically now. Derek King's going to. You can get an injury year. There's a COVID year, and you can. Well, how many years? How many years? Or how many games can you play in and still take an injury year? I'm not sure how that works, honestly. But here's the thing: so if the choice was, can he finish out these last couple games, or he has to go to the NFL, or if he doesn't, he can play another year. He would probably sit out the rest of the year. But that's not the the case. He's got, I think, three years left. Even if he plays, he has two. So there's no way he doesn't come back. We need him. And it's not like he's, you know, on Mel Kuyper's big board or whatever right now. He could have been, but, you know, unfortunately that's the exposure we get. So he's going to come back when he's ready. Hopefully that's this week. Not looking hot, but those are kind of my thoughts on that. I would say I wouldn't come back. Move. Not that he's I don't want him back. to not that I don't want him to come back. Not a team player, Moo. Look, Why would you not I, come back if you're fine? What To have another year of eligibility. So yeah, he I gonna, know he has... He wasn't going to come to the NFL, even if he had a stellar year this year. I said this at the first freaking episode. He was coming back, and you and you... I know you for sure said that he was gone. Yeah, if he wins I the he- Jason- if he wins the Heisman, he's gone. I think Jason was leaning towards him being gone too, and I said, "Nope, well, nope, nope, nope." Okay, so that doesn't make you right because he got hurt, though. Dude, he was on the little graphic for Mel Kiper's big board. That's like pretty much drafted if he didn't get injured. <laughs> <laughs> hey, right is right, and wrong is wrong, and you, sir, were wrong. Yeah, whatever. All right, <laughs> uh, I'm just messing with no, you. No, I know, but. I know. He's coming back. If he can play, he's coming back this year. We need him. We desperately need him. God, we need him. Like, are you kidding? How could you not come back? Unless you're like know. a top 10 draft that... pick. Like, he's not a top 10 draft pick or even like a first-round grade right now. So do you, br- do you bring him back when he's 75%? I don't know. Gus seems to like to do that. So I don't think... Didn't you think that was interesting, though? Like, I don't think you can be Bowser. 75% back from a collarbone. Like, You're either cleared for contact and your collarbone is fully healed or you're not. So it's pretty interesting, though. Like, I wonder what kind of injury J-Flash actually had because 
he brings back Bowser, and Bowser clearly like wasn't ready to come back. You don't know also, that. Like, put him back. I saw it on the field. Oh, move! Yeah, he oh, couldn't shit. even stand, dude. <laughs> The second half, Louisville, he couldn't even stand up in okay, the backfield. But that's and they were still handing it to him. Because he wanted to play, and no one else was doing anything. Well, well, I'm I guess sure Jay Flash wants good. to play, too. He suited up. Well, that's what I'm saying. He suited up. You don't think if he was ready to play, he wouldn't have been out there? I think he was like an emergency wide receiver, is what Gus said. It did really did, Without knowing the injury, it's impossible for us to... It's clearly like some soft tissue thing where he's it's like... It's just interesting. Like soft tissue, you can be 90%. Like you can still feel your hammy and kind of go out there and play. If it's like a bone break or something, I don't think you can get even remotely close to cleared until it's fully healed. Yeah, so that's... I mean, that's what I'm trying to say. I would like to Moves know medical what, corner. <laughs> what J-Flash... I'm not a doctor. I'd I, like to know the injury of Jay Flash. I think it's a knee. Because I'm knee. telling you, that guy that I know at work. Oh yeah, dude. Is on, that's a he's very cr- something. Very credible he's source with this injury thing and Gus. Moo's work friend. Yeah, don't trust the beat writers. Trust trust the guy <laughs> at work. That's a legit source. I'm just saying, I I see what I see. That's in like the, field. the classic booster on the message boards from some other school is looking at a flight tracker and yeah, Gus Malzahn. You head coach of <laughs> Arkansas. Uh, anyway, what were we talking about? Wrap up? Yeah, wrap up. Uh... Well, Knights in the NFL, Brashad Perriman, cut by the Bears, who was also cut by the Lions earlier this year, but signing with the Bucks, So, chance to get another built by UCF Super Bowl ring, possibly. Uh, so, that's exciting. Unfortunately, Jacob Harris towards ACL. And MCL in the uh, that night game, Rams versus. My brain is just not working. Titans. Titans. Uh, uh, real quick, back to Brashad Perriman, so I could get my two cents in there. Feels great for him to be back, kind of at home. You know, the the last time he was on the box with James Winston is when you know the year that Chris, I think Chris Godwin and Evans both were out. And he became like the star wide receiver, basically earned him a huge contract with the Jets that yeah. never ended up panning, panning out because the Jets suck and there's yeah. nobody to throw it to him except Sam Darnold. So good for him. Maybe he can restart like this second era of Perryman back in Tampa. I know they there's a ton, they have a ton of good wide receivers. Like even after Gronk and uh, Godwin and. Gronk and Godwin, Antonio Brown and and Scotty Miller and yeah, that guy who didn't play college football that was like a track star that caught a touchdown against the Saints. That was a cool story. Oh, Jason Garrett in attendance at the Kentucky game. Good for him. Dang, what happened to the Cowboys, man? Like, oof, I don't know. Well, you know, Tristan's been at practice, but not cleared for gameplay, so that probably had something to do with it. I'm thinking, hopefully. We'll see him out there on the field uh, in Dallas, in person. Dallas playing the Falcons, a little Richie Grant versus Tristan Hill this Sunday. So maybe check that out if you'll be in Dallas. It's a noon kickoff. Such a weird week in NFL between that, the Bills, the Raiders. Ever All the good teams lost, and I don't know, it was just weird. Uh, also, Scott Frost gets a contract extension, but they fired a bunch of the Offensive coaches, I mean, look, I get both sides of this, but you fire a coach, it takes you, like, it puts you, it sets you back. And, like, Nebraska's already been kind of set back by their lack of success under Frost, but the alternative is you get probably a crappy head coach because it's not a very desirable job. And you probably, it's going to take them three years to undo where Frost has put the program right now. I think your best bet I mean, look, Nebraska only has a couple wins, but they've actually looked competitive on the field for the first time under Scott Frost. So I think you kind of have to just ride that little glimmer of hope and and hope he's really starting to at least somewhat turn it around. I don't know. Because if you get rid of him, you're really in the doo-doo, in my opinion. All right. This brings up a, a very hot topic for me. So it's one that I've been thinking about like the last week or so. And it's that, what makes a good coach? 
like, is Scott Frost a good coach? Like, we know that he was, it was his first head coaching job at UCF. Okay, great. He turned an 0-12 program into a 12-0 program, 13-0 program in two years. It was the most miraculous comeback or turnaround in NCAA history. Mm-hmm. What did he have? Hot quarterback, right? You go to like back to NFL, Bill Belichick, right? Was a head former head coach of the Browns. He had a long coaching career. He was a good coach, but not a great coach. What? He had like finds Tom Brady, dude. Three Super Bowl wins with the Giants as defensive coordinator. Okay, but defensive coordinator, not head coach. He had the Browns turned around, and then they decided to move the team to Baltimore, and they fell apart. So then finds hot quarterback, all of a sudden, best coach ever. Dude, Brady wasn't even the reason they won, like, the first three Super Bowls. It was the defense. Brady didn't even really get good till like, 06, 07. Randy yeah, Marsh. but it was still a lot of – I mean, a, you got you to gotta be a good quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. I'm not debating that. I mean, Trent Dilfer, those were the, the kind of quarterbacks that won Super Bowls. They are more like game managers back then. I think it's Brady. You know I love him. All right, Moo. The, so the Bill more... Belichick, Scott Frost. You could have picked a more mediocre coach that won like one Super Bowl instead okay. of Belichick. Andy Reid. Then, even though Andy Reid has been, he went to a Super Bowl with the with Philly. He's always been good. Coaching is weird, man. It's not. That's what I'm saying. Like, is is it? It's, okay, maybe it's that talent. was a bad analogy. It's but... talent slash recruiting because college is recruiting. In NFL, it's more like salary cap management and drafting combined with getting your players up, combined with hiring the right people around you, delegating. It's that, it's a tough thing. I don't know. So is my I guess my point at, or my question is, is Scott Frost actually a good coach? I think so. I just think it's tough to win in Nebraska. I think if he went to Florida, Florida would be really good. He would have did he would have just did the same thing he did at UCF with even way better recruits, you know. I just don't think he was able to recruit as good as he thought at Nebraska. Also, his assistants kind of all sucked from what I've heard. He needed better assistants. I don't know. Yeah, but was that his was that his choice to bring all the assistants from UCF? That was to... like his demand. Nebraska actually wanted to hire some like kind of more tenured P5 assistants, and Frost insisted on bringing his staff intact. And Dude, it's tough to argue when, you know, he's being suited by UCLA and the Gators, and he's also 13-0, and and, like, he was the hottest name in any coaching search in, like, the last five or six years, you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't come up that often, so he kind of got to write his own paycheck and terms of the contract. But you bring up a good point. Do you think he would ever come back? Nah. I don't know. Dude, honestly, never say never in sports. That's what makes it so much fun. Like, we think all who this stuff would never co- happen. Who will be the coach of UCF football in 2030? Mackenzie Milton or Gus Malzahn? I think Gus, but, like, head coach and waiting slash offensive coordinator, Mackenzie Milton. <laughs> I think offensive coordinator for sure. <laughs> but how could who's going to call the plays? Well, I think he's oh like teaching God. McKenzie. I can't take at that freaking point. eight years of him call, of <laughs> Gus, Gus doing this. Joey Gatewood. <laughs> no, like we know what. Uh, I can't believe you brought this up again, but I have to say it. You know what Joey Gatewood is. Like, stop trying to make him do stuff that he doesn't that he isn't doing. Like or that he shouldn't do, but that's like what they kill- least expect. Like Greg McRae up the middle on first and goal from the one. Like stop. Yeah, he's not built for that. Joey, you Mc- can't throw, man. M- McRae from one was a popular. <laughs> it's nothing against you. First watch answer. McRae, all yeah. Just bring Joey in fourth and one. Bring Joey in third and two, goal line. Or just, Go ahead. just bring DG in and leave everyone on the sidelines. Yeah. Well, I like that. Yeah. The experience, though, that Keen has gotten this year is huge. Unreal. Huge. 
It's going to pay massive dividends. For Dude, he's going to be so good when he's like a junior. A few coming years, yeah. Get the full off season. Gets to learn behind DG after having the game experience. So, like, everything he learns is more relatable. He's not just kind of back there, like, you know, taking it all yeah. in. He can actually apply it to be like, oh, well, I remember, you know, when I did this, this, and this, and this game situation and all the adversity. Nah, this, this is good, man. It's all going to work By out the way, good for us. Forgot to mention this earlier. Hats off to to Keen for yet another game with zero facepalm moments, didn't which lose, is awesome. Did he lose a fumble? He did lose a fumble, but <laughs> guy was, dude, guy was coming from his backside, like, and he was Un- going um, to throw. Uh, like nothing you can do there. Absolutely nothing you can do there. Not his fault. Yeah, I mean, dude, he was nineteen of like twenty five, only six incompletions. Yeah. You know, not not the longest throws downfield, but. Mistake free I mean, is all we're asking yeah, for, and just and keep inter- the mistakes to the to a minimum. No major mistakes. Interceptions are going to happen, especially for you know a freshman quarterback. But it's like it's the face palm moments, the Carson Wentz yeah. moments, or dude Stafford had Oof. one so bad it was just two, like two in a Carson. row. He had two in a row. He dude, pretty he was much doing a pirouette, like about to fall into the end zone for a safety and just throws it up in the middle of the field. Yep. Guy standing there from the defense wide open, just picks it and runs it back. Like, yep. And that was right Keen after done, he did Keen one. Keen has like never that. even dreamt of doing something that stupid. Yep. And for Stat Fratford doing it in the NFL still. Like, golly, yeah. man. Yeah. So makes, anyway, makes kudos makes... to him. We are pretty lucky to have a, to have a decent, you know, Freshman quarterbacks. Dude, we could backup, we so. could be three and six easily if he was even just remotely bad, you know. Yeah. So definitely happy about that. But yeah, uh, games at eleven Mexico time or noon Eastern time on Saturday, two p.m. basketball. There's an alumni happy hour Friday night. Also. Rob, uh, two letters, two words on Twitter, is having a little get-together at 7 in Dallas. And then Saturday morning, alumni tailgate at like 9 a.m., somewhere by the game. Details on Twitter. Yeah, that's it. Hopefully next week we talk to you 7-3 and three after a big win uh, on the road at SMU. So let's get it done. You got anything else, Moo? Uh, no, that's about it. Hopefully the play calling will... <laughs> continue to surprise and keep everyone on their toes yeah <laughs> for this week uh gotta stop the quarterback tanner mordecai dude um but you know the uh secondary has been pretty locked down you know last few games d block hopefully come up big and, and get ucf the the upset road win t will yeah sounds good man go knights charge on Domain Nation. Domain Nation.